You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Nipe here with always. Typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 2013 remake, Evil Dead. Not a classic. It needs not time. not the Evil Dead either. No, not the Evil Dead. We, we don't want to confuse people. After like a two weeks ago when we were having to beat, I I was having to beat myself into saying the Evil Dead and not Evil Dead because it's colloquially known as Evil Dead. Everyone just calls it Evil Dead. It's only purists mm-hmm. like us, like us, like yeah, us, that, that refer to it swirl, automatically while we swirl our brandies and shit. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, quite. Um, but yes, not the Evil Dead, just Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you do need to clarify with people these days. Anytime that I'm mentioning the Evil Dead remake, which is not. It even falls out of my mouth, Evil Dead Remake. That is that it almost becomes the de facto title of this film. Yeah. And that happens a lot with these remakes and weird sequels and shit lately. I mean, you know, you have Halloween and you have Halloween and you have Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, Rob Night- Zombie's Halloween. That's what that's known Yeah, as, that's, right? that's like, how that's you do that. how that falls out of your mouth. Because it's, it takes less words. If you say the Evil Dead Remake, even though it's just called Evil Dead, which is less words to begin with, you would have to, like, back it up with... The 2013 one, you know, the remake of the Evil Dead, not the Evil Dead, because Evil Dead is the Evil Dead, and this is Evil Dead, and they're different, very different. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right, and that's where that's where we live as a people. Now we just have to constantly uh, add words to titles of films so people know the actual movie that we're talking about. That's what I like about the remake for Funny Games because it doesn't fucking matter if you watch one or the other or both. It doesn't matter. It does not matter when somebody says I watch Funny Games. You don't say which one because it doesn't <laughs> fucking matter. It really doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> we decided to do the Evil or Evil Dead remake. For no real particular reason. I think it was just something that we wanted to... It was in one of our powwows, our, our, our jam sessions, where we're trying to work out what order of the films we're going to be doing and, and how we're going to be doing them. And uh, I think you or I, I don't know, one of us, uh, wanted to do the remake right after we did the OG Evil Dead. Now, the OG Evil Dead was my responsibility. That was what I inflicted on everybody. Your responsibility. Responsibility. You brought this movie here, Wes. I <laughs> you brought I, this into my house. I practically was a, a teacher in dusty glasses reading the fucking script from the Necronomicon itself. That is what I like the most about you. And this is why <laughs> I figured if I ever found a Necronomicon such as this, bound in human flesh and is strapped up with barbed wire and covered in a garbage bag in the basement my basement, I would call you immediately because I need you to back me up and you'd have some idea of what to do with this thing. First of all, thanks for including me. I love to be included. I know. Yeah, even just the offer is enough. It's like when people invite me to parties, I'm never going to go, but I do appreciate the the invite. Um, second of all, fuck you all the way for getting me possessed by demons. <laughs> well, and either A, it would help protect me because they would probably leech onto you way quicker or you would stand a fighting chance i believe you would stand a fighting chance i i don't think that my size or my skills i did a little like 
you guys can't see my stance, uh, my skills would help against fighting the forces of darkness from, uh, I feel I would just be a juicier target. My pure soul, my, my stinky pure soul, Oh, my, they would be all over me. I think that between the two of us, so we might be able to ferret out what it says, be it Latin, Aramaic, or something. We'd, we'd be yeah. able to glean enough of what's going on, or from the pictures. Yeah, from, from the pictures. And th- this movie will help you along with pictures and helpful uh, crib notes, basically. Partially, I can't believe that most of those are translated. I really cannot. Not with all the expletives. It doesn't look like a book that has expletives in it. Yeah, this was before curse words, although yeah. the Deadites will curse up a storm. They certainly do, and this is where the, some of the parallels, that we'll get into some of the parallels, and that's kind of one of them, is just the data is to have that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. This film, when you're talking about, and if, by the way, if you guys are interested, uh, I posted it, by the time this episode airs, it will be last week, but by now it was yesterday, I posted a review that I had done back in 2013 when this film was first released, and it was uh, 2013 was like a weird year for me, uh, just going back and looking at a lot of the reviews that I did and by a lot of reviews, not very many. Uh, that was where I handed the website mostly over uh, to my friend Scott, who was doing Scott's Horror Corner and, and writing a lot of cool articles uh, during that time. But I was heavily scripting in comics and I just did not have the time uh, to do the website, but I felt I wanted to continue content. And when the Evil Dead remake first was, we heard whispers of it. Grouser's online immediately. No Bruce Campbell a remake. How could again the, the same types of chorus that chimes out anytime that horror is remade? It's uh, gonna suck. It's, it's gonna, gonna suck. suck. Yeah. It's gonna suck. Yeah. That's, yeah. What? And I I did, just ignored it all until I heard that it used the most blood that had ever been used in film. And yeah. I'm very interested. I let it pass me by and I was and so I waited for about the think the movie was out for about a month I kept consistently hearing this movie's getting great reviews people love this movie they're do, it's doing really well I, I and and even though I, I didn't I wasn't loud about being a grouser about the remake of this film I might have said one or two things on Facebook I don't remember but I was not interested based on the fact that it was was the same reason why I wasn't interested in seeing a Poltergeist remake. Not interested. But this movie, a lot enough people were telling me to go see it. And so I went to go see it. And so my triumphant return to a written review in 2013 was because of Evil Dead. Because after I was done watching it, I, you know, it it wasn't perfect for me, but I was so impressed. In my review, I call it, spoilers, I call it the best remake I've ever seen in this what I meant to say is because there's so many things that you're not considering, like, you know, like John, uh, John Carpenter's thing and shit like that. But like in terms of like this batch of remakes that had been coming out with uh, within the last like 10 years at the time, yeah. uh, it was the best remake that I had ever seen at that point. And I, I hold uh, I think this movie holds up really well. Um, I, I'm so fucking impressed with so many shots and so many things that they did in this movie. Uh, again, it's not perfect. It has things in it that are my personal pet peeves in film. But but that does not ruin the experience whatsoever. Yeah, and I'm going on forever. <laughs> no, that's fine. I'm listening. That's the thing, right? That's, yeah. that's my bad habit of just sitting here and listening to Wes and nodding. Yeah, 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 mm, I yeah. I try and vocalize. Right, right. And and this movie, uh, when I left the theater, I I, I honestly had the, the, the feeling that this was what 
if if Sam Raimi had all the money in the world at the time and and the skill and had access to professional actors and all this kind of shit, I genuinely feel as though this was what they were trying to make back then. Something like this. With the same sort of feel and shock factor. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Certain things in it, I, I'd have to say no, because there is absolutely not one stitch of comedy. And I, I've always really enjoyed that about this film, mm. is that there is not one even pun to be had. No. Not even, and the Deadites are Deadite-ish. They have their kind of one-liners, but they're not funny. They're not fucking funny at all. No, they they still fuck with you. Uh, Mia's performance, uh, Possessed in the Basement is Grey, like, you know, like, don't cut your arm like like that kind of stuff is, is really great um but it is it's very reminiscent of uh like reagan and mm-hmm. the exorcist so i i'm not like it's unfortunate to to have such a huge performance of a possessed person who happens to be a woman uh in our consciousness so it's hard not to be see completely overshadowed yeah by linda blair yeah um but, but that's, you know, if you're going to be overshadowed by anybody, I mean, that you're pulling those sorts of memories out of someone's head and you're visually reminding everybody of Regan and some of your lines. Even her, her line about, come down here so I can suck your cock. And <laughs> I had to throw out a line about someone's mother sucking cocks in hell. Because like, it just fits and it does. She does remind you of Regan and she does have the same sort of voice um, as Pazuzu. Or, or whatever, but um, I, I really do think that Raimi wouldn't have been able to not inject the humor that mm. was so near and dear to him all of his life, <laughs> and especially at that time as a younger man. I, I don't think he would have really hit this sort of fear and like those sorts of really, not gut punch moments, because that seems like such a cliched phrase. But the things that really get under your skin, like yeah. when they're actually digging under people's skin and the things that are under people's skin, like I don't think he would have aimed to get that queasy with it or accomplished it, even given a fucking hot cash injection of millions of dollars. But yeah, that's just my guessing and supposing things we'll never know. Yeah, I, I, but I mean, it's hard to disagree with you because uh, as much as uh, Rami has uh, over the years... Um, made all kinds of different films. There's always his uh, his mark and style on them. Um, this uh, uh, Fede Alvarez uh, that they grabbed. This is his first fucking movie, and was plucked out of obscurity based off of this YouTube video that he had seen that he had made about you know aliens invasion and shit like that. A week later, he's getting interviewed by fucking Spielberg, and then. Uh, him then he's in a meeting with Sam Raimi and and a project that they were going to work on together fell through and then you know they were saying hey by the way we also have this Evil Dead thing that we've been kicking around fans have been wanting another one for a while so I don't know what would you do with it and it, uh, the the only thing that I've ever heard about this guy is how fucking good he is how the, he delivered uh a, the basically the cut that that was the theatrical release. Without, like, it was all edited, all done. They did not ask for anything else. Like, that was the version that he made. First, he's like, this is the version I had, my, my rough cut. And yeah. that's what we got theatrically. It's it's amazing to me how th- this person, it, it's one of those where you're glad the internet exists, where you're glad people who don't normally have an opportunity just in their basement make a fucking movie and people pay attention to it. And then we get this. And then this guy goes on to make stuff like Don't Breathe and, and all that kind of shit. 
And he would have spent, what, his 10,000 hours uh, with most of his best work on the cutting room floor before somebody gave him a chance, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And then he would have delivered us some sort of movie that was edited within an inch of his life because no one trusts anyone anymore. But yeah, that he was given this opportunity, it is very relieving. And I guess that's that difference between authors that can spit out a rough cut that is novel worthy and very clean copy and editors just love them. And it's rare and he's a rarity. But then there's other people who give this sort of product with a much larger team, a much larger budget, and much more time given to editing and honing and perfecting this. Because Mm -hmm. it has the same sort of feel as um, Cabin in the Woods as far as the production value. Yeah. And that had many hands, many more hands, and probably a lot more fine-tuning of the script where this could have dealt with a little bit of fine-tuning here and there. Mm. That And you even mentioned it in your review. Yeah. Some of the lines just aren't strong enough, but yeah. visually, boy. Oh, my God. We have a feast. Yeah. There there are so many shots. Uh, and I know I've said this about films before, but this time I mean it. No, I know that I have uh, I was watching this film and kept thinking to myself, I, I want this on, a, on, on my wall. Yeah. I, like, this shot should be fucking framed. The, the cabin burning, chainsaw on the face, raining blood. Oh, my God. This is where we're at. They did it. They did the, what, like a, a freaking beautiful, crazy, outlandish thing that you can take it for granted that it exists, and the fucking fact that it's a remake. Which and it, for all the remakes that we've seen over the years, and you know, remakes are nothing new. Remakes have been all the way since the silent era. Films are just getting remade and churned out, and and sequels, and then no one remembers those because. Theaters were what they were, and so you could just release a movie, another one, four, five, six, ten years later, and and wow, no one's gonna remember. No one's the, the first time this movie went on tour. It's it's over now. No, nobody cares. So it's like wrong turn movies. You could just remake wrong turn movies. Exactly. Which basically, they kind of are. All the sequels are just basically rehashing. <laughs> just Except four because it happens in the winter. <laughs> yeah, this is wrong turn in the snow. Yeah. But yeah, essentially now, now of course we're in a world in which everything lives forever, right? So no one forgets anything. The internet won't let us. But uh, speaking of wrong turn, the opening of this it was very wrong turn, oh, yeah. and I enjoyed that because the first time I watched it, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be many shades different." Mm-hmm. And, and and going into it, all I knew was that people really fucking liked it. I did not really know what to expect tonally, I had no idea that it was going to be this serious. I'd heard, uh, the first time I watched it, I'd watched on Netflix, so it was probably a year after it hit theaters, but there was people who don't go to theaters who had gone to see it multiple times, horror fans, who were dumbfounded that I hadn't gone to see it. Mm. But I just don't really like going to theater very often, Mm. and it's something, I'll go see Halloween. I'll see this upcoming Halloween in theater. I'm sure I will. Mm -hmm. I could miss it for some reason, but if all the stars align, I will, and want to go to the theater for it. Mm-hmm. But this wasn't one that really struck me, you know, I could watch Evil Dead at home, or The Evil Dead at home, and get a lot of uh, joy out of that. I don't need to go to a theater to watch something that will eventually make its way into my hands, mm-hmm. was my thinking. And I didn't regret not going to the theater to see it. There's a few films that have kind of kicked me in the ass afterward that I wished I would have seen it when it was fresh, fresh. But yeah, this was a really fun watch, and I can see why everyone enjoyed it so much. Yeah, and the good news about it was that it was very successful. $11 million budget, almost $100 million at the box office. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they made their money back in spades, and people are these days are, are still talking about 
you know, when's Fede going to do another one? Which is crazy to me. It's like, when are they bringing Mia back? And and to, to it's a magic trick to be able to take out the character of Ash. And they fuck with you a little bit in this film. Uh, and we'll get into that. Because what the fuck's this movie about anyways, Lydia? This movie is about how you need to trust in the junkie. You need to trust the junkie that when the junkie's done with the shit, they're going to open the shit gates and the shit's going to flow, man. And they're going to be, they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. And if they want to stop their detox and go back into town, you let them. You just let them go. They're like wild animals. Well, well put. Listen. I don't know what the fuck I'm about. This movie's about the evil dead, man. It is, it is about the evil dead. <laughs> but I will say, just to say, like, I, I've dealt with, um, people who are addicts of many different stripes before i've dealt with people who are trying to detox before i've we've seen it in film many times we all know and and what jane's addiction even wrote a song about it three days you know we all know it takes three days you got to be on lockdown you got lots of water or whatever and you're gonna yell at people yeah you're probably gonna hurt yourself yeah you're probably gonna spend most of this time naked in in the shower with ice cubes or something i'm not sure but uh, when she turns to her brother and says, you need to get me out of here now. I've never seen someone act scared or look scared quite that terrified ever in my fucking life. And anyone ever in a situation where you have somebody that terrified saying anything to you about not wanting to be where they are, you, it, you are in over your head. So very, very early, I'm convinced as a viewer, they are in way over their heads. And this comes... Five minutes after they're t- they're saying to themselves, we're in over our heads. We need to get to a hospital, blah, 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 blah. So five minutes after that, I'm, as a viewer, believing they need to get out of here. At this point, we're less than 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah. So I like how they've ratcheted up that tension immediately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They really, really locked out uh, getting uh, Jane Levy in uh, as, as this, uh, for this role of Mia. It's immaculately performed by her everything from how scared that she is how manic and how wild she becomes as a deadite uh, to her turn in the third act it's great every everything is pitch perfect for me her performance um i absolutely love it everyone else does a pretty serviceable job again though it's sometimes going into the exposition of this film it, it just it, i i think sometimes they just had like kind of a mouthful and where things didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense the way that they're saying it because how serious things are getting. Yeah, Eric I mean, had a lot of lines like that that were just like duct taped together. Yeah, much like he is taped together. At <laughs> the end of the movie, yeah. 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 I, I like that it's not a typical van full of teenagers going to party in the woods. It, it was a very interesting take. And also there's all kinds of, you know, if you want to uh, tack on a lot of metaphor to this movie, this idea about detoxing, getting this thing out of your body that is taking over you, making you uh, do and say some things. Some sort of demon. Some kind of demon. I, I, I was like, you know, it's at a very, it's a surface level, but it's it's very interesting to do that. I love how... It also makes sense how initially all the characters, uh, David and Olivia, uh, the uh, Eric and uh, poor David's girlfriend, who I don't really, th- you know, when they're looking at the photos on the wall, oh look at us all together having fun. I was like, I don't think uh, Natalie, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that she was part of that. She's just kind of 
Yeah. No, she's kind of she's new. I'm pretty sure like when they introduce it, just like yeah. here's my girl. Here's, here's, here's my met. girlfriend. Yeah. Like come to my sister's detox. I guess that sounds like a bad time to me. I would just stay home. Uh, I'd just be like, hey, I'm here to support you, but I feel like this is like a close circle friend. I can sort of envision that conversation though. It's like I'm gonna go to my sister's detox in the cabin in the woods. Well, aren't you gonna take me? Well, I don't think it'll be really fun. But what do you expect me to do? Just sit here and read books? And he'd be like, I thought you liked reading books. She'd be pout, 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 and he'd say, "Oh, come on, this is this it'll is, be fun." This is the worst pitch for a prequel I've ever heard in my entire life. The conversation between David and uh, and uh, Natalie. Fine, I'll pitch a pe- prequel. There's a girl running through the forest, and she's being beaten and bloodied and terrified. And all of a sudden, two fucking hicks out of wrong turn too yeah. attack her and bludgeon her and knock her out and drag her to a cabin and tie her to a stake in the basement where. Her father douses her with gasoline. Yeah. Is that better? It is better and very cool. The only thing, uh, it, 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 I love scenes like this that evoke so much imagery and evoke so much story. So many questions. So many questions. Who are these deep woods people? Who Who was this man? Who was this daughter? Why did they break into the cabin? Where did they get the Necronomicon from? Why did they choose this spot? When did she kill her mother? And who's that guy that's already burnt? Like, that does this mean that she's going to make it? And this is all within like three minutes. Yeah. And, and, and like I was, I was thinking while we were watching the film, uh, the opening shot, there's already blood dripping on the scene. It's like a taste of things to come. This movie has got gore to spare. The only thing that I will say about this scene is it sets up a flashback later for when uh, Eric and uh, and David are in the basement, this cavernous basement, uh, looking at all these strung up inside out cats. The basement of wonders. The basement of wonders. And they go to this post and they say, Oh, it's like it's been burned. And then there's this flashback to as if I wouldn't remember what happened 15 minutes ago in the movie. <laughs> Which, yes, along with some of the translations, quote unquote, yeah. in the book itself, uh, I can see why that would not sit with you. Yeah. That, that, like, it is pandering and it is spoon feeding. Yeah. I, I don't need that explained. Oh, this post is burned. I, I know, and I know why it's burned. Burned like me, because I'm the stoner in the story. Have you ever seen Kevin in the Woods? Has everybody seen Kevin in the Woods? Yeah, this yeah. guy's like fucking shaggy. Yo, no, no one's a stoner in this. That's the whole point about about this. It's like everyone has like 1% of these tropes that we've been led to believe need to exist in a horror film. Mm-hmm. So we know that Eric, even though he looks like Shaggy or a Barney Rubble. Uh, uh, he's a, like a, what did I say, Metro Barney Rubble. Yeah, except he's a teacher. He's he's probably the coolest high school teacher ever. Oh, probably. He, uh, we also I I'm, I thought he looked a little bit like the guy that played Jeffrey Dahmer in My Friend Dahmer. So we started calling him Dahmer to the point that we forgot his name. <laughs> it's Eric, not Dahmer. And even though he looks like a killer, he's just a fuck up that um, does things and everything is completely his fault. But you know, whatever he is a very curious guy. And when they get there and this entire time, Mia in the early stages of her um, being in the cabin, she is complaining about a smell that she can smell. This cabin, by the way, is theirs. So this is, this is the first time in any evil dead in which the people, our main characters coming to the cabin are saying, no, 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 this is our family cabin. This is not some random shack in the middle of nowhere with electricity and plumbing and garbage cans and, and all this kind of shit. Yeah. 
um, you know, we're just leaving power, expensive power tools out in the middle of the woods and apparently no one robs the place. But people did break in for some reason. Someone had broken in when they first walked in and David ventures in with like this line about, oh, mom would just be so sad to see the place like this. It's mm. like, why haven't somebody, why hasn't somebody taken care of this place? Why are you even here? Like, they're like, let's clean this place up and make it look livable. It smells, according to Mia, it is abandoned it's been abandoned for over 10 years someone has just broken in like you're gonna just pop in and set up shop i mean i'd be i wouldn't want to stay there yeah it seems pretty fishy and very dirty and also it it begs a lot of questions that in horror i guess we can just throw out the window we don't need to know does someone pay for this property i mean how is there electricity same question i had from the evil dead yeah evil dead yeah no exactly there's all these questions but at the end of the day all you need to know is Spooky Cabin. Although I will say that they seem genuinely surprised that there is a basement in this place. They seem to not know that. And I don't know if because there's a carpet over it and finally our good dog uh, finds the the smell, the source of the smell, which is our inside out cat basement. And they and, and both David and Mia seem genuinely surprised. And I was definitely waiting for a line there about like, when was the last time you were down there? Or did you know this place had a basement? Or uh, is that why mom always kept the carpet there? Like, I don't know. Something just to let us know whether they knew it was there or not. Mm-hmm. They must have. They spent a lot of time there as children, apparently. Mm-hmm. And it's not a, a heavy... Like, the place is not wall-to-wall carpeting. This is just a throw rug that's over top of it. So it, I would find it really hard to believe that they had no idea. But they're acting as though... They don't know. And I'm wondering if that might have been still just muddled from the script in which, oh, was there a version of the script where it wasn't their childhood cabin or something like that? And they just never, that seems kind of irresponsible. So I will give them the venom for the doubt that that's not it. And perhaps they're just reacting in a way that is confusing to me personally. Or it could have been one of those things where there has always been a trapdoor there and it was covered and they never went down there and just totally forgot about it. So when the dog reveals the trapdoor, it's just like, oh shit, yeah, there's a basement here. And there's a lot of blood around that fucking door. Yep. All dried and dark, sticky gooey. Something went down in the basement, but that's not really... Or came out of the basement. Or came out of the basement. That's not really that important. There's something like witchcraft or something like that. Voodoo, voodoo they said. And then, of course, Eric clarifies what voodoo really is. Yeah. Or is not. In a, like a line. In a line, he seems to... I'm wondering if if I were to, if he was like a college professor age, I would say, oh, here's our random anthropology uh, professor who is just knows all about ancient civilizations. But he just seems like a he's like he, a math teacher. Yeah, he's probably is he a, is it? I believe up? he said he was a math teacher, but I mean that would be just too convenient because we already have a nurse, right? So we have a nurse, and then we have an anthropologist. And then mm-hmm. what the hell is David anyway? David, I'll tell you what he is. He's a mechanic. And that's how come he knows how to, to, to jerry-rig some shit together later in the film. But I can tell you what he really is. What he really is, Lydia? What he really is? An absent brother. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 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 That's right. Mia uh, had been going through a tough time. Didn't even know. Didn't even know that his, his, his baby sister, kid's sister, Skipper herself, is fucking had OD'd, been legally dead. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Didn't just try to kick before, but has OD'd a couple times. Because mm-hmm. when they said... She won't survive another OD. Mm-hmm. It's 
like this has happened more than just the ones he's mm-hmm. just freshly being told about. I mean, say he's an absent brother. He wasn't there when his mother passed away either. And that's, that's a sore point. Too, too hard for him, really. And this is where there's a lot of things in this film that would lead you to believe that David is our Ash character because, well, what ends up happening to his sister and also these seeds of him being a coward, of running from things, et cetera, et cetera. And the blue work shirt. And the blue work shirt. And then he gives his sister a nice trinket. Yeah, he gives he gives the sister a nice trinket. So I loved that there was winks and nods to the original franchise without it uh, being too pandery and also fitting into the narrative that they're creating. Well, and she's first uh, when we first introduced to Mia, she's sitting on a car in the back lot. What kind of car is that, Wes? Looked like the old classic. It certainly did. And she's wearing like that Michigan State uh, sweatshirt. I mean, I, there's all kinds of little winks and nods to the to the series for the true Evil Dead fans. Yeah, I, I the the setup of this film is as such as that when things start going sideways, when they go into the Inside Out cat room and they pull up this book, and th- this is one of those kind of like, funny situations in film where they're in this room, there's all these carcasses hanging from the ceiling, and someone looks over at the desk and sees something wrapped in a garbage bag, and they're like, what's that over there? What the fuck is that over there? I'm like, what's that over there? Look at the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> what are you? I would not have noticed that book whatsoever. It's just because the sunlight was glinting on it just so. Just so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> why do you think that the, uh, the hill people will call them? left the book in the cabin because it's evil it is evil but is there no better place than in an an abandoned like in the bog in that hole under the tree that leads into the work shed in a fire pit in the well they could have put in the well they could have the well outside not the well in the basement because there's an artesian well in the basement there is someone did some good witching for that uh location of that house or that cottage when it was built um, they could have put it fucking everywhere, but no, on a table in the basement, I suppose, where the recording instruments were found in the original mm-hmm. kind of area, that sort of area. So, but recording instruments, I can see somebody going down there and being like, look at all this fucking real to real shit. This is awesome. I'm going to bring this upstairs. But a, a bag with barbed wire around it that you don't even know it's a book. I guess it's book shaped. I it mean, c- it could be anything. I would just, I was like, this is another carcass or something. That's what I would think. Yeah, I was like, for some reason, someone has wrapped up this gross thing, and I don't want to touch it. I would, it would get thrown out with all the other carcasses. You know, I would barely even want to touch it. I would probably like lift it up with a shovel and put it in a bag. This is the second thing I wouldn't want to stay there. I mean, it's one thing to be detoxing with somebody. This is a bad place for it. This is just a bad place for it mm-hmm. entirely. But Mia's Mia wants to go. She says we should get out of here, but she's wanted to do this before. She's made the same promises, done the same dramatic shit of getting rid of the drugs, flushing them down a toilet, or this time tossing it in a well. But she nurse cries. friend has brought some Thorazine just mm-hmm. to help keep her calm through the night. Mm-hmm. But they haven't even got to that point yet. She already wants to leave. She already wants to leave. She's she's not happy. And, but they've seen this all. Her friends have seen this all before. And, they, and uh, Eric even says it's the hard way because we tried to do it the we're we're here for you friends way and you cracked in less than eight hours and then you were you became a junkie again then you od'd 
uh, and you almost died. You were legally dead. So now it's tough love like all the way. And so we're not letting you leave. And even when people are saying when, when, when Mia is getting increasingly more agitated, increasingly more violent, et cetera, and, and saying that she's seeing and hearing things and, and smelling things, uh, Olivia is, is, and is adamant that she is getting the same care here that she would get at a hospital. We would, so you want to leave and it's almost, uh, she almost feels insulted that anyone's even suggesting maybe they should, maybe they should leave. Uh, maybe this is a, a, too much for us right now. And she's like, no, no, like, fuck you. Like, I can handle this. Uh, and I'm her friend and I care about her and I'm a registered nurse. So I have all my nurse powers. What she should have done is given her Thorazine way sooner than as soon as they got there kind of thing. Because the sleep is very, very important mm-hmm. when somebody is detoxing. Mm-hmm. Um, agitation, conversation sometimes isn't a good idea. None of the things that they're doing is actually a good mm-hmm. idea, I think. What they really should have done is just jacked her up with Thorazine immediately. True. I don't know what this would have done for the Deadites, but... I'm not sure, but we do know at least this much is that things are... There's still... There's a darkness. There's a funk. There is something over this cabin that Mia seems very affected by. It hasn't been coming at us through the woods quite yet. Mm -mm. Uh, We don't have that instant injection of cosmic horror like we do in The Evil Dead. Um, At this point... The only thing we know is that there are hill people somewhere, maybe, because we're not even clear about where that is and when that happened at mm-hmm. this point. So they're not any sort of real threat. But it's mostly we're going on what Mia has to say. Mm-hmm. And her friends are easily able to dismiss everything that she says as it's junkie talk. It's, it's, so that's how come she's acting this way. And I like that angle because a lot of times when you're watching a horror film, you know, even as horror fans, we ourselves can watch a film and be like, why aren't they listening to this person? Why aren't they believing this person? Let's sort of get a pass on the psychotic woman card, too, because I can't just be like, oh, you crazy woman, you got the vapors. Maybe you should lay down. <laughs> Hysteria it is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's exactly <laughs> it. So... They get a pass because she is acting hysterical, but not in the womenly Luna kind of way. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the fucking junkie freaking out kind of way. She's dope sick, and she's doing a good job acting that and genuinely worried and genuinely grossed out by the cats in the basement. Yeah, it is fucking gross. But but that in and of itself, any rational person would uh, say, oh, listen, these... I don't know what... Somebody broke in here and did some fucking witchcraft. Let's go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is not a this is not a detox place and there's no one around and we should just get out of here. You know the other thing that I probably wouldn't really do is take some snips to this barbed wire garbage bag and find out what the fuck's inside. Eric cannot help himself. He is curious as a cat. Not only does he take some snips and undo the book, he starts reading it. Starts reading it aloud. He even takes some fucking rubbins like it's a gravestone to make sure he can get down to the nitty gritty and read the words that no one else wants you to read. Yeah, wait a second. I've, I'm going to open this book that was clearly not meant to be opened anymore. Somebody took the time to put heavy barbed wire around this with a garbage bag. And it's obviously made of flesh. It's obviously made of human flesh. There, You open it up and there is satanic... Uh, images in it, uh, demonic shit, strange writing, and translation that says, don't read from the book, don't look at the book, don't use the book, and never say these words, or you will resurrect him. Or is not your friend. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. Uh, so, but the person holding this particular book is, uh, going to, yeah, take some fucking etchings and shit like that. Like he's, yeah, like he's on a gravestone and read from it. I love this sequence when, as he's reading it, we get that classic POV shot, evil running in the woods and towards Mia, who's basically just circling outside, just trying to, she's got the shakes, right? She's just trying to. Yeah, she's pacing in the rain. Yeah. Pacing in the rain. And uh, then it hits her and she vomits, but that could just be, that's detox symptoms, man. Could be, depending on the person, depending mm-hmm. on the thing, and depending on the time of month, if it's a woman as well. Mm. Like, I don't know, the puking foam thing. You know, that's more of like a heroin thing. They're not really clear about what drug she's on. It was and that's kinda... more of a really fresh heroin reaction. Not, uh, you know, she just, she's been there for a couple hours. Yeah. You know? yeah. She could have been riding high on this stuff. We don't know. It would have been funnier if she would have shit herself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you'll, you'll get a variation of that later. Mm-hmm. Sort of, I guess. But <laughs> at, at this point, the evil has been awoken. Never truly dead, but dormant, no longer. And now we yeah, like, got like, this David Attenborough, David Attenborough of horror. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, um, it is a really good sequence because it goes from the the foreword that he's uttering, and it's cutting back to Mia and this thing coming through the forest at them, and being uh, fans and friends of the Evil Dead, we have an idea of what's on its way. Yeah. When Mia gets struck by this stuff, there is something uh, that is terrifying her to its core. And this is where she truly, utterly, absolutely wants to leave. She is grabbing her purse. She is uh, ripping her fucking trinket that her brother got her. She is, I'm out of here. And this is where all of her friends standing around her who made that decision. And even David at this point, who said, I'm trying to be here for my sister. And if she asks me to take her home, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to take her home. But her friends are assuring her, no, this is a tough love thing. And this is where, when she asks her friends to, to, we should leave Olivia and Eric and all them say, no, and we're not doing this. Uh, And she turns to her brother and he stands with them. No, this is, this is for your own good. You're staying. So she does, what she does, which is grab the keys, hop out a window, and she is driving. Steals Olivia's car. Yeah. Not for long. Not for long, because she's going to see Marilyn Manson out in the road and then skid over into a bog. You really think he looks like Marilyn Manson? I think that in certain shots, it looks like Marilyn Manson on that Hollywood cover. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's that's what that's what I think that... I mean, it, 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 what they really look like is just... A, tweaked out evil version of Mia. Yeah. But when they're sitting there with their hair down and they're all pale and they're all just standing like that and shit like that. The nippleless tits, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just like, (laughs) yeah. So then when she wakes up, we have another tree rape scene. Yes, we do. Although I think that it just, it enters her and it stays. You know what I mean? It's not like it um, does a very... Uh, sexualized raping scene no, whatsoever. No. Yeah, there's none of those um, confusing sounds that I was going on about in the last episode that we covered when we no. covered the Evil Dead in that particular very hentai tree rape scene. This one is so much more caught in 
vines in the jungle mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. thing. You could even you could even um, just say to yourself, "Well, the woods haven't come to life. The trees aren't haven't come to life. It's just she's heavily tangled, and it seems almost." unnaturally tangled around her, but you don't actually see... Anything moving on its own accord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until she is face-to-face with what looks like her. Her doppelganger. Her anima or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but it's um, a foreshadowing of the wonderful beast she's going to become, I guess, mm-hmm. partially. Um, and it vomits forth this vine and bile-encrusted creature-like vine mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a sentient creature but it's behaving like a vine but it's somewhere in between those two things mm-hmm. like this spiny root of some kind that is going to slink up uh, her leg and enter inside of her and it's going to stay and that is her becoming possessed and no one else gets possessed in this way she is patient zero for the the what is to be truly manifested of this evil later but for now she is just going to be rescued sort of no one seems to be all that mad about the car i mean i guess they're more relieved that she's not dead and she doesn't articulate it any further than we had this kind of scene articulated in the first film where it's there's something in the woods. Mm-hmm. That's really about the extent of it. We need to leave. There's something in the woods. I want to go. There's something in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't say something crawled up my leg and it came into my ass or vagina and is in my guts right now. Mm-hmm. If she even remembers that. And I like those unanswered questions because someone could complain that she doesn't explain to them what happened. She may not remember. That's pretty traumatic. She was pretty scared to begin with. And she was just in a car accident and mm-hmm. she hit her head. So whether she remembers exactly what happened or not... But she does know there's something in the woods. And she she thinks it's in there with them right now. Yeah. And you need to get me out of here. Yeah. And she's being very serious when she's telling her brother. Yeah. Because, like, flash forward a few minutes later when she's being looked at by her nurse friend. She's sequestered in a bedroom. She's a shivering fucking wreck by this point. And it's not just dope sick. She's terrified. Mm -hmm. And tells her brother very seriously that they need to leave. Mm-hmm. right now yeah and i believe her oh my god it's such a great scene it's such a great performance uh, i love it and then that the the button of her looking at her reflection and it's just this possessed thing just like flicking its tongue at her and and shit like that i love that too except i hate the orchestral hit and by this point we've had a couple of them and mm. it annoyed the fucking shit out of me the first time i saw it and i just that if, I, if there's any bad decisions in this film it's that uh, it's not until a certain scene with Eric later on where it, it it's worthy and it works and it's like fitting. Up until then, there's a couple of those that I would have I would have settled for a silent tongue flicking demon in the mirror at that point. It would have been that much more unsettling, really. But the orchestral hits are like shoving it down our throats mm, or mm. up our anuses or in our vaginas, whichever this vine beast wants to be shoving things in us. But that orchestral hit was just overbearing, and there's a couple of those. But that's my that's my complaint. That's my only real complaint. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you were vocal about that uh, by the third one. I didn't know it was bothering. You. I didn't notice. Uh, sometimes uh, musical cues. I feel like you're very sensitive to uh, to musical cues because when we were watching Magic, you were like the harmonica. And I'm very like sensitive to a lot of things. Well, there's that. I even noticed the jungle intrigue bongo drum yeah. chase scene in the last one. So like, yeah, I am. I am. I pay attention to the noises around me. I prefer not many of them. 
Mm-hmm. But good ones when there are. That's true. The good news is, or the interesting thing about these orchestral beats that you're talking about, they seem to almost vanish after the Eric and Olivia scene. I d- especially in they do they introduce an air raid siren in its place. Yeah, they do. Which is I I enjoy a good air raid siren. Me too. I think I think it was pretty effective. And in, in the final scenes, they kind of go back to almost like Benedictine monks, like chanting and shit like that. But uh, which is like kind of on par with the klaxon sound. Yeah. Yeah. Same yeah. Sort of tone. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, when when dear Mia is going to show up in all of her glory, and she is going to be fully possessed, it is a very. Um, slow burning scene you know that she's possessed we as audience members know that she is possessed she is doing the deadite walk she is twitching her head she is almost acting like she's a zombie but of course she's not a zombie dragging a shotgun and she everyone just thinks that she is losing it she's got a gun she's already tried to hurt herself um she has severe burns on her now because uh well unlike halloween 2 where they have a temperature gauge on their burning boiling people sauna there's no temperature gauge so we don't know exactly how hot the shower water got too hot to touch the nozzle it ignited the fucking like water boiler what the hell was that there are little water heaters i'm not sure how they operate in a cabin like a small gas heater but you can get one for your home uh, that is an instant water heater so the you don't have a hot water tank per se Ooh. you have this thing that instantly heats the water as it's passing through the pipe mm. yeah it comes in one end of the little tiny unit cold and leaves scalding fucking hot yeah well, the 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 possession scene comes just before David notices that their beloved dog has been hammered to death, and he also they do like a weird flashback to like maybe Mia did this, and, and he's like, yeah, that's what happened, <laughs> which is kind of crazy to me that he immediately thinks that his sister, who moments ago was a shivering wreck in the corner, who has not left that bedroom as far as he knows, hasn't left the cabin, mm-hmm. like moments later. He's storming back in there and saying, where is she? She's in the shower. So she's really, as far as we can tell, gone from the bedroom to the shower. And mm-hmm. he's envisioning that she came outside at some point. I don't know. She couldn't have been lost in the woods that long. She was lost in the woods down the road, not lost in the woods at the work shed. Mm-hmm. But somewhere in all of that, he imagines that she bludgeoned the dog to death with the hammer. Yeah, it's like, hey, our beloved family dog that you were genuinely really happy to see. Yeah, she probably killed that dog in a junkie fit. That sounds so ridiculous. It but does, it is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Uh, so who did kill that dog? Evil? The don't ham- know. Don't know. I bet you he killed the dog. He, he probably was like, I don't even remember doing this. I was that <laughs> mad. Uh, so when she's walking up with a shotgun after all this fucking hoopla has happened and she's burned her face and is like, those are like second and third degree burns. Like, this is fucking out of control. Uh, now she's waving a gun around and she fires it, but it seems... Maybe in her last ditch effort was not trying to shoot her brother, but maybe she was trying to shoot the woods or something like that. That's how I kind of always. Uh, and she wasn't totally with it. Like she's almost yeah. in this, and like twenty eight days later, uh, about to be a rager kind of place. She's sort of in between. Mm-hmm. So it's like one part of her is awake enough to not want to shoot her brother. Another part of her is awake enough but wants to shoot her brother. So it's just sort of like. 
Not she doesn't have a good aim. She doesn't have a good aim. True. He gets a bit of uh, buckshot or something in his arm. Yeah. But uh, that's when we have our big presence. Uh, the door flies open. The winds howl. The fucking orchestral hit, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. The the sound goes insane. There is definitely um, a demonic force pressing in on this cabin from the woods. And we get to hear in the wind. We will take you one by one. It's classic. And then uh, Mia, in her possessed double voice, just says, you're all going to die. Very, very similar to the uh, original. Yeah. And then she's she's down. She's down to the count. Good news. We're all, it's going to be all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can jack her full of now. Yeah. Yeah. But she is also going to vomit her entire fucking stomach contents with blood. All over Olivia's face. Right into Olivia's face. Oh, my God. And it made me very happy because I could just picture Bruce Campbell thinking, at least it's not me. Mm -hmm. That's all practical effects. When I first saw this film, I wasn't sure how much was practical and how much was CGI. There are CGI moments in the film. Uh, That's fine. But all these great special effects, all these visceral... It's hard to film in Rain and Fire. That is true. So, but this is one of those like real scenes. There's a behind the scenes uh, documentary uh, on the Blu-ray that just shows that sequence and how gross it looked and how gross it felt. Uh, the actors just doing the scene together, just like, oh, that was awful <laughs> and shit like that. Um, when uh, that's one of the, the big hallmarks of also doing an Evil Dead movie, and apparently Bruce Campbell had warned them all in an email after they all got cast, like. You know, this is going to be the. You're never going to be more tired. You're never going to be more dirty. It's all fucking night shoots, and it's just awful, right? Because he yeah. was in on the casting process too. It's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Um, so when this happens, Eric, a man of action, not just a curious kitty cat man. Yeah, he's not just a bookish sort. He's got some brawn. He's got some brawn. He is going to. He basically just like fucking throws her. Boots her down the fucking open hatch door and then jumps onto the hatch and i really like just some of the subtle things in this she's at the bottom of the stairs yeah and with he slams that door and within seconds she's beating on it oh yeah as if she leapt straight up yeah to to try and push her way through the store so it's just a nice lack of time for her to be able to do that that alacrity is supernatural in and of itself yeah, yeah, it's it's really, really amazing. A really, really nice effect, and it really it's like whoa, <laughs> you, yeah. you got me there. That was pretty fucking violent and intense, and exactly what I'm looking for. And at this point, you're just watching this film, and I'm like, man, strap me in. I'm fucking here for this. And there's never any other moment in any of the Evil Dead films uh, where you feel like you can really put yourself into the character's shoes. Of what would I do in this moment? You're on top of a trap door. There's something trying to get out, and it's very strong because you are on top of this door and entirely and it's lifting you with every time it pushes on it Mm -hmm. Uh, terrifying moment yeah absolutely terrifying and they're all just trying to figure out what the hell is going on this can't just be this can't just be uh a a junkie shit uh, olivia is just sitting there covered in blood like she's psychotic and uh natalie even tosses like like what happened to her eyes because just in that moment before the door blasts open i love it it's a great effect over top uh, of her eyes are just like they become possessed and they go they just open up and they're like got that yellow uh unnaturalness to right them. in olivia's face and uh, natalie notices it too and has that line yeah so that's two lines kind of back to back so mm-hmm. what we need is a little like alarm or a little dinger that goes off or a little mm-hmm. ring 
Mm-hmm. Every time that we have like a throwback to the evening. yeah, well, they did like a clock shot early on in the picture where we're looking at the clock, and it's like that perfect angle. It's the same clock, same it's, clock, same angle. Yeah, and yeah. when they pulled up to the cabin, you have that uh, springing bench outside the door. Yeah, it's I, not hitting the side of the I cabin, know. but it's there, and it's the same. It's true, but again, that that sort of cosmic evil that has not descended over the place on the level that we see in the original film so i could see people saying well it wouldn't make any sense why that would be doing that now because they haven't awoken the book eric before all of this by the way he didn't just open the book once and read from it and then put it away he was sitting hunched over it looking at all kinds of images looked like he was trying to translate what he could or, or or try to make sense of it he seems enamored with this and so when Everyone is sitting there dumbfounded, and David is saying to go get uh, medications uh, because they have they already have enough uh, drugs pumped into Mia to apparently knock out a horse. Yeah. But if they give her any more, she could go into a coma. Sounds David, good to me. Yeah, David's just like, we need to get her out of here and, and do this shit. And so while all this is going on, um, Eric is telling them, I don't think this has anything to do with drugs or her kicking the habit or anything like that. It's like, this has to do with the witchcraft in the basement. Mm-hmm. And he's the first person to sort of voice that David is not a believer of such things. He is a, he's a man of science, a man of today, not a man of action though. Well, sort of a man of action once they get her piled in the Jeep. Cause they're going to pile, they're, they're going to go. She's burnt to fucking shit. They're going to get her out of there. Yeah. Whether voodoo, witchcraft doesn't matter. We're just going to, when he is a hospital. Yeah, get to that bridge. White man's voodoo. <laughs> Uh-oh. It's washed out. Do you like the washed out, like the flood? It's been raining nonstop. So do you like the flood as opposed to the bent over uh, bridge? I missed the bent bridge. You missed the bent bridge? Well, they had like a cranky looking tree that floated by that sort of reminded you of the bent it, it, They did. I did like the cranky tree. Yeah. I did uh, like They it. did drive in. When they drove in in the Jeep, they did drive through a bit of a washout. You have to drive over the river in this. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not unbelievable. <laughs> You just wanted a little bit more definition that something has trapped you here. Mm-hmm. I will say that the the, the flood is a, a lot more realistic and less supernatural. Uh, Mia gives a sort of bubbly, knowing grin, b- half tired, half amused, uh, almost in the same way that uh, back in the original film, uh, Ash's sister, um, Cheryl, is like, it's not going to let us leave. Mm-hmm. And it's that same idea. The, the the woods won't let them leave, or whatever this presence is is not going to let them leave. Uh, so now they're 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 kind of they're kind of stuck, kind of stuck. They don't really know what to do. Olivia is going to go wash that blood off her and vomit and shit all off of herself before she gets the drugs. But uh, she's going to get possessed in a far less dramatic, but we could probably say grosser way. Yeah, no, it is grosser. And we sort of have a lead into that because she sees herself in the mirror looking a lot like she ends up moments later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, This is where there is a lot of looking to the book to look at pictures in the book. Characters either see it or something happens. There's sort of like a Stations of the Cross thing going on in this book that tells you sort of the um, progression of 
I suppose it's a progression of somebody that's being possessed by whatever mm-hmm. evil is unleashed by reading this book. Yeah. It, it, it seems to be – this. the book implies that everything is a, a lot more ritualistic than perhaps we ever realized. So that whatever this evil force that is coming needs five souls specifically. It seems each one of these souls needs to be damned before uh, – or at least lost, and there is a there's ritualistic behavior in self mutilation, boiling themselves with water, flaying their skin, everything that these characters are doing to themselves. Uh, someone will look to the book, or the camera will pan to the book. I'm not wild about that. Because, again, it seems very pandering. Yeah. It seems like, this is why they're doing it. I don't need to really know why they're doing it. It does introduce uh, more shamanism or, or some sort of uh, cultishy, satanic, deep, dark rituals long forgotten. It does imply a lot. Well, I suppose what Kandarian Kandar- uh, cultists would have practiced like thousands of years ago. Uh, it does introduce that. It does make things seem more fancy and ritualistic. But there's almost the I miss this the the chaotic nature of what unleashing this evil does. And if you're telling me that if you read from this book and you have risen evil demonic spirits and they're going to possess people and take them over, that's really the only explanation I need in an Evil Dead film. Mm. But this seems to be for others. It's like people won't understand why they're saying or doing this kind of stuff. But Eric does. It also takes out of the, the fun of the Deadites. Now you know that they have a goal and a recipe and they're not going to be around long because they need to do this particular thing that they're prescribed to do via the book. Now we we know that they're not going to have as much fun. And part of the fun of Deadites was like, what? how long do they live? What is their point? Why are they doing this? No one knows. They're just having fun. They don't want you to die. They just want to torture you for as long as they possibly can. Like, we know that none of that fun is going to happen, but there's no fun in this movie, so that makes sense. True, true. But there is fun in a fucked up way, Lids. It is just the the level of violence is just, I'm sitting here grinning ear to ear, and I feel like a sick fuck, and that really is my... Uh, comfort zone when I'm watching horror and honestly when people uh, sometimes when I watch sit people down and in, in, in front of horror and shit like that and people are like oh I thought it'd be gory or I thought it'd be this I thought it'd be more like that like man you want to be grinning ear to ear how about Olivia check that shit out <laughs> she's giving herself a, the beyond Chelsea grin oh my god right it's wonderful it's such a freaking cool effect I love the 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 fevered nature in which she is cutting at her face and looking around and Eric's reaction to seeing Olivia, his dear friend, um, a beautiful young woman that has just carved her fucking face to shit. And she comes at him. Oh, yeah. Like a fucking demon. Yeah. After he slips on her cheek that is on the floor and it's... Let me... Eric, poor Eric, this motherfucker gets hurt so much and holy fuck does he deserve it because you read from that book the first time you curious idiot um but the 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 they accomplish a pratfall here with no humor which is great oh my god it's nothing but fucking painful oh my god i i I, sometimes i'm marveled at that scene because i'm thinking they just that is 
the most painful way I've ever seen anyone fall on a toilet. Like, I can't imagine you falling. That is worse to me than if he hit his head. Yep. Like, just like this weird spot on your back, and you could just imagine how much it would hurt. How did they accomplish a lot of this scene without hurting themselves? Oh, they probably did. They probably, I just assume they did. <laughs> they probably did. this all looks painful. This sequence in which Olivia crawls over top of Eric and... Uh, stabs him with a piece of the piece of broken glass that she was cutting her face with then with the fucking syringe over and over and over again uh and and i love the defensive wounds it makes total sense because and he's getting hit in the eye and he pulls out that the, the needle bo- out from under his eye oh my god i'm not i'm not too squeamish when it comes to the eye trauma but somebody that would be would find that just oh my horrific. god yeah yeah, it gives him a bit of a sleepy eye for the rest of the film. Gives him a bit of a sleepy eye, yeah, absolutely. Thank he, God he's wearing glasses, because he would have probably been way more demolished yeah, oh yeah. if he hadn't been. Oh, yeah. But he grabs a chunk of that toilet that he almost broke his back on and smacks her in the face with it. Let's put it nicely. Oh, my God. He fucking turns her head into goo. Yeah. Like, but it's the fear and the rage, and she's not herself, obviously. I'm sure halfway through that, you wouldn't feel like you're killing your friend, quote unquote. You're yeah. defending yourself and scared for your life. Yeah. That, against something that is not who you thought it was. Yeah. You could you could believe an argument like, I, I blacked out. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Oh, no, not, not even. I, I would fully believe him if he knew what happened, but that thing was not Olivia. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And not only that, but he is the most inclined to believe this. I mean, I know Mia would, if she was within her right mind and not possessed in the basement, uh, she would uh, believe that. But Eric would be next in line for because he'd been hunched over that book for hours, yeah. just trying to glean what he can from it. And he and he's in this state of shock. Natalie and uh, Eric are going to see what's up. Poor, poor Natalie. I really feel bad for her. I really feel like she can't. What, what is going on? Why am I here? Why didn't I break up with this guy last week? Like I kind of meant to. I'm adding to the prequel. Oh, you are. I see that. <laughs> but he, she cares about him enough that when it, her, his sister is like, "Help me! Come down to the basement and help me," she's yeah. like, "Okay, I'll come down to the basement and help you." Oh my God! There's, n- you have Mia sitting in the fucking basement not looking at you looking like fucking samara and and saying oh why my leg hurts why are we why are you doing this to me and she's just very slowly walking down those steps saying oh we're here to help and i bet you i was like the the internal monologue in my head if i was natalie right now i would just be like why the fuck like why am i here why do i have to be the one to calm this person down this is not my sister i don't know her like Olivia has had her head smashed in everything's fucking bonkers and now I have to talk her down because she's sad ah (laughs) why am I doing this yep I just would not be there oh my god I can't even imagine oh yeah and when she realizes that uh well we'll say that Mia's just beyond not feeling well and she tries to get away gets dragged back down very famous scene was in the trailers of uh of uh the box cutter versus Mia's tongue yeah this is about where I start wondering about the nature of this demonic possession. We have never really seen anybody heal or come back from anything. We've seen Ash get possessed and come back, but he had never had third degree burns on his face. He had never. never didn't cut his tongue in half. Tongue, tongue, uh, yeah. His never, arm stays gone. His arm stays gone. Paul's hand. His hand. Yeah. So 
there is an interesting thing uh, going on in this film because when uh, Mia comes back, she is not burnt. She is beautiful as ever, and her tongue seems fine. Seems fine. I mean, you you could seem fine with a split tongue, but it would have been swollen, very, very, very swollen. Yeah, days, weeks. Yeah, yeah. she'd be talking like she, she got a mouthful of peanut butter. If she can even time. talk for the first two days. Apparently, when you do get your tongue cut in half, about two days, you can't. You should. You you just can't talk. It's that swollen. Yeah. Well, I believe it. Open your mouth is just tongue. Just just, just tongue, a big Cthulhu tongue. Uh, yeah, so we're all right. It's pretty all right. Mia does end up uh, making out with uh, Natalie with her disgusting split tongue, and she offers to suck her brother's cock. and Some demony things. Some demony you know? things. Yeah. It's one, one part Pazuzu, one part Dead Eye. Yeah. Know? Like, it's some demony fucking... Sex things, basically. Yeah. Trying to make you... I was like, I'm going to make you uncomfortable with sex stuff. But the way she throws those out sort of over her shoulder, it, it's kind of cheeky. Yeah. But, like, like she doesn't feel like she's going to get away with saying these things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just a, it's a weird delivery for that. But I don't know. Whatever. How can, how can I say what's weird delivery for a demon? Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, you are right. But there's a way that uh, Jane Levy plays this character when she's possessed. I love it. I love the wild eyes. I love the, the just the erratic, quick way that she's talking. It's so good. It's mm-hmm. so fucking good. It's so fucking fun to watch. Um, every time they cut back to her just howling with laughter in the basement is like fucked up shit is happening to everyone upstairs. Um, and, and her knowing that she's the epicenter of it all. Cause it's already gotten pretty fucked up by this point. Oh my God. Uh, it's going to get a little bit more fucked up. <laughs> it's definitely going to get a little bit more fucked up because that bite in old Nat's hand, it seems probably infected. Probably infected, and I think that they dumped all the iodine into Eric's chest. Like wound. gaping wound. Yeah. <laughs> David closes with duct tape. Yeah, a lot of duct tape happening. But I mean, I don't know. Natalie starts pushing out this infection. It's like pus, you know, yeah. like draining pus or something, or just black blood or or something. But it just keeps coming back and getting worse. And you know, fans of Evil Dead 2 will enjoy that maybe she's mm-hmm. going to get a possessed hand. Maybe we're going to get some, they you know, grab the face, do the flip over thing. Yeah, maybe it should, yeah. it'll break dishes over her heads and oh, stuff like that. that be so fun. Uh, and the lamp's going to laugh at her. Yeah, no, we are going to get a gorgeous in one cut shot of her bringing uh, an electric, uh, what do you, the carving saw. Oh, like carving knife. Yeah, carving, it's carving knife. Yeah. Um, to her hand and the, the uh, uh, Mia from the basement was like, "Don't, don't cut your hand, don't cut it off," because she wants to get fully possessed, and she's stopping that possession from happening, locking it off, not at the wrist. She actually has to lose yeah, all the way up above up. the elbow. Yeah. yeah, so she cuts it all the way off, and just blood everywhere. Oh my! It's like a geyser of fucking blood, as it would be. Yeah, yeah, and then, but don't you worry, don't you fret. Because Dave's got more duct tape to spare. Yeah, I don't think duct tape's going to close this wound. Um, I don't think that that electric knife is designed to cut through bone. I, in fact, I know it's not. I don't think there's anything in that house short of a sawzall that would get through the bone as neatly as she did. But somehow Olivia cut her arm off. Somehow David gets duct tape around it. They like they could tourniquet it very, very tightly and cauterize it. 
with maybe the thing that heats up the shower because it obviously gets hot enough. But like, that's all they could have done. Nothing. They do nothing like that. Yeah. And I love that line where Natalie turns and says, oh, I feel a lot better now. Like, it's almost like she was so drunk and then she threw up and then she's like, oof, uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel better. It just as her limp infected arm just like dry was like hanging by a thread of flesh and it just like drops to the ground like a sack of meat like it is and sort of reminds me of that um story in the bad shepherd that i wrote that's in pray light eve uh wonderful wonderful it's the end story in the new it's on audible now yeah. that's the one that everyone raved about on the wicked library it's one of the top listened to episodes of the wicked library and it really is the set piece of Pray Light Eve on Audible because D. Michael Hope did a really, really good job delivering that. But there's scenes in that that are reminiscent of, of this scene mm. with having chopped arms off and things feeling better and demons being involved. So I really enjoyed seeing sort of a, an idea of what I'd envisioned for that scene come to life on film. That is very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. And it is really cool because I've taken this really innocent looking blonde wonderful sweet quiet little girlfriend who's there entirely by accident and turned her into one of my favorite demons in this thing she's very good particularly when she's got that nail gun yeah she has some fun with the nail gun although i again i don't think that that electric knife is designed to saw through bone i don't think nail guns work like this but then i've never wielded a nail gun i i i have wielded a nail gun uh, they're pretty powerful. I don't know um, exactly how they would re- interact with human flesh. I, I don't know either, but I don't think that I could shoot one across the room and impale it an inch into the fucking wood, yeah. let alone across a room well, into first, people's hands. Well, first, she's just nail gunning her head. Yeah, and that side of that's believable. Yeah. <laughs> that's fully believable. This, um, this idea of... Uh, of these people slowly one by one becoming possessed is something that we've seen in evil dead a bunch of times. That is what the nature of the films are. But in this, it just seems so much, uh, it's, it's so measuredly paced. It's like people are possessed. Um, you get blood on you, you, you get, get blood bit. On you, you get bit. There, there's, there's different ways that it happens. And also people seem to be coherent and then they're possessed. You never really know when people are going to become possessed. And, and in this scene, and, uh, you know, Eric and uh, David are really fighting for their lives uh, against this woman who has this fucking nail gun. Eric, Jesus Christ. He gets, he, we, he's already been in pain. He's already been, he, he tripped over the toilet. It sounds yeah. like that's probably the most painful thing uh, yeah. that he dealt with. He's had this needle that he had to pull out of his eye, let alone a million lacerations, a very deep wound. And he did lose a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. They gave him some sugar and water, though, and that perked and him he, right he, up. he was back. He was back to being alive. Yeah. Um, I, I love uh, Eric is the one that has the solution and lets David know what the solution is, which is they need to save Mia. This is, and we know this uh, from the, the first opening sequence. And we say, aha, this is the conclusion that they came to in the first one. You need to purify the soul with fire. And if Mia is killed, uh, purified, we'll say, uh, nah, just say killed, killed when Mia is killed, it should end the evil once and for all. Cause David and- says, no, we're not going to kill anybody. 
I, the look, the look that Eric gives David, I, I was like, did you not just see I turned Olivia's head into hamburger? Yeah. <laughs> like, not more than an hour ago. We're not going to kill anybody. You already did. The dog's dead. Olivia's dead. Your girlfriend is it's missing. Almost dead. Is almost dead. Um, but, and, and that is where we get the revelation of uh, David's mother having uh, mental illness and being in a mental hospital and also... You know, losing it and getting sick and then, you know, him being too afraid. I mean, this was all fine as subtext, but he felt as though, you know, articulating the scene was necessary. I love that Eric basically just calls him a fucking coward. I was like, oh, so you're a coward. Congratulations. And there is a lot of animosity between uh, these friends. You know that Eric and Olivia uh, have known Dave and uh, his sister Mia for a really long time. Since childhood, they've all been really, really tight. And when things got tough david left and so there would have been a lot of resentment like we could have used your backup and and mia could have used you and now we basically have to take care of her because you left um, and now you're here and we still have to take care of her yeah yeah because you're you you don't want to do what needs to be done and you never did and that's why i'm mad and also my eye hurts and my chest hurts and my hands hurt and <laughs> everything hurts and i see you're relatively unscathed there pretty boy oh my god is he relatively unscathed in the nail gun fight like all David gets is like three nails in the leg. Yeah, that's. I wouldn't want one nail in the leg, so I can commiserate with poor, relatively unskid David. But holy fucking shit, Eric! How? <laughs> How about you know? In the first Evil Dead film, we're talking about you know, the poker. What's with the poker? Like they don't stab anybody with it. They don't really use the poker to its uh, maximum effect. And then even. When uh, Natalie, now possessed, covered in nail bits and shit like that, uh, is coming at them with a crowbar, very similar to a poker, uh, and she, uh, Dave brings his arm up to try to defend himself, and he gets struck right on the forearm, and you think to yourself, oh, his fucking arm is broken. That, there's no way that's not broken. But it, is, it doesn't seem to be broken. That being, there could be a fracture, and we're just like, he's just rolling with it. Yeah. We don't know. There probably would be from the sound it makes. The sound is what does it for oh, yeah. these scenes. But, oh my god. Eric's hand gets split in twain. Yeah. It is. It looks like a firecracker accident. Oh my God. It is crazy. And that alone just looks as painful as can fucking be. And then he's just getting bludgeoned on the head. He's full of fucking nails, too. Like, he has some through his. Like, David is pulling some nails out of him. Even Eric's pulling some nails out of himself. Um, he fucking has three through his forearm that you know are not going anywhere. Oh, they yeah. They are through the bone, and they are painful as shit. Yeah. I can't even imagine. That would be blinding fucking pain. His his legs and, and chest and torso are covered in fucking nails. His hand has just been busted to smithereens. And when we see her raise that crowbar, and she's about to give a demolishing blow, we're expecting the exact same thing is going to happen. His head is going to look like Olivia's does. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But no, because fucking Dave, Dave finally manages to do something. He has the, that that really good shot after he blows her arm off of changing the barrel of uh, the changing the, the the shells out of the the shotgun, the boomstick, the boomstick, yes. and and uh, it's like oh, that's very. And then you like start to look at it, and it's like, yeah, I guess. I guess David is sort of our cowardly rising to the occasion. He's our final boy. I think, yeah, I think that's where this movie's going. And when I was watching the movie for the first time, I'm like, yeah, that David's our Ash. That's that's what's going on. And and shit like that. Because 
his sister's possessed in the basement. He just had to kill his girlfriend. Like, you know, lover boy, if you can. <laughs> and when she, when Natalie kind of comes to and starts talking straight, just wondering why her face hurts. And Which then is she, adorable. Yeah, it's like, why does my face hurt? And then she just dies. Uh, and at this point, you know, there's nothing left to be done. Uh, David knows what he has to do. He's going to just burn this fucking place down. Eric had said that earlier. He's like, I'm going to burn this whole fucking place down. <laughs> I was like, but now Eric has been bludgeoned, nailed, fucking crushed, stabbed. There's like, I was like, what? He can hardly breathe. He can and hardly breathe. He can hardly move. chest wound that he had earlier is probably not sealed properly. Oh, my so God, So it sounds no. horrible. His breathing's... He's lost a lot of blood. Yeah. And so he's just going to get slumped up against the car, and then uh, we're out of there. And he even says, like, oh, being dead wouldn't be so bad. In his condition, I'm like, oh, yeah. I could definitely be like, this is fine. I'm kind of tired. I just don't want to hurt anymore. In the moment that... It- approaches the closest to levity yeah he's like dying wouldn't be so bad but i just don't want to become one of those things i don't want to i don't want to get satan's bitch satan's bitch dave is going to just douse the place in gasoline and light his lighter and uh, that'll be the end of it but he oh he can't do it no he looks at pictures on the walls and he sees them piggyback riding and shit like that and oh no we were Remember the good times when everyone wasn't dead and you weren't a demon? Precious. Precious. <laughs> precious moments. Stop living in the past, Marge. <laughs> living in the past. Uh, he can't do it. But there is another way. Another way? What's this about another way? Were you reading that book again? I was reading that book. And because it's Mia, it's always got to be the hard way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, we get a nice, neat little reference to the beginning mm-hmm. again. We get a nice, neat little reference to the beginning. And also we get some uh, Sam Raimi-esque cuts as he's building something. Like a hip-hop montage in the workshed. Yeah, exactly. We see the chainsaw. We do see the chainsaw, and it makes everyone's heart go pitter-patter. Yeah, they're like, oh, my God, chainsaw. Oh, my God, a chainsaw. Uh, he doesn't have – he still has his hand, but whatever. He could lose it. The movie's still young. Um so what he's going to do is barrier, I guess. And I, I think the idea is to kill the body in such a way that the if she is more than just a regular deadite, if she is somehow housing... Like I said, patient zero. Patient zero. The thing is in her. Yeah, the thing is in her. It, I suppose like any parasite, you would just have to make its environment inhospitable to it. So it would leave. Fire, drowning... Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's multiple ways it could go about this, but the burial alive that works. Mm-hmm. Suffocate it. Yeah, suffocate. Like a put a bag on her head and just put it. You know what I like though. You know what I really like their lids. Mm-hmm. Uh, after he goes back down to the basement to carve himself a witch, uh, we're we're treated to a David versus Mia fight and does not go well for O'Davy. Almost drowns, but Eric. Drank some more sugar water. Yeah. And then takes takes the fight to Mia herself, knocks her out. But, uh-oh, he got a box cutter in his gut. Let me add, this is, but this is like what I'm thinking. It's like a fighting game 
where there was just like a little tick left in his life bar and that little box cutter was just the the, the last straw he and he dies that's a better analogy to me that he was trucking along with like that last like four teaspoons of blood left in him oh my and god as soon as that got spilled he was like mm, done. yeah but it is a lot more like a fucking Life meter. Yeah, life meter, and it was just last little tick of damage. One half blinking heart. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It was the sirens going off and shit like that. He a little, but because it doesn't even really look like he's in an overly like it might have hit his liver. I'm not sure, but it looked like a kind of non-lethal area, or at least not an insta-kill area. Compared to some of the other fucking gaping wounds he has. Yeah, exactly. But even his hand has been, like, taped back together. It doesn't look split in twain anymore. I mean, it still is, but yeah. duct tape will fix that. But, you know, it, he he was not long for this world. Off to the wild blue yonder, dear sweet prince, as I just lower you into the, like, fucking... Basement floor. water. <laughs> the basement sure. water. Yeah. It's like, this is... Oh, gentle, gentle, gentle... Yeah, well, well, all right. We'll just leave you there. <laughs> just leave you there. And he takes Mia and and puts a very pretty red dress on her. I don't really understand why he puts her in a pretty red dress. Me either. I don't, sure. I don't understand it. Maybe it's supposed to be... This needs to be a ritualistic burial. Maybe he gleaned that from the book. Or maybe he just didn't want her in her, like, underwear, I guess. I don't know. But... He puts her in a dress. Uh, you know what? It's very cinematic. So I'll give it that. <laughs> it is very cinematic. And it goes well with the blood that she's going to have splattered. Oh, my God. But, yes. Uh, a little red dress. She looks sort of like um, Lydia Dietz getting ready for her wedding day. She does kind of look like Lydia Dietz. And he's going to bury her. And then, you know. They have a little conversation while the, that's happening. Yeah. They almost do a trick in which they get to have the decapitated head in an open grave conversation that's mm-hmm. very evil dead. But it, her head's not actually been cut off. And so that's a nice effect. And and she's in a way where it's not really mocking, whereas most in the other previous uh, installments of Evil Dead, these, these deadites are mocking and cackling and all this kind of shit. She's just very calmly saying what a disappointment she is, that your mother hates you. I know that your mother hates you and you made me lie to her and this is the type of person you are. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's quite the conversation. And there yeah. are no puns. There's no demon, demonic puns. But it is very similar to the Ash we remember. Mm-hmm. Digging graves. Digging graves. The only thing that's missing is a cross. And he waits and he waits. And then like the fucking scene from Pulp Fiction, he's going to juice her with like fucking uh, two syringes of drugs right into. I guess there's no drugs there's in no it. There's no drugs in them. He's just using just, them it, as a, a conduit. A conduit, yeah. yeah. And he's going to basically like a fucking car battery or whatever, get her going again. And yeah, she's, he defibrillates her. And this is something that she's undergone before, I suppose, because she overdosed. And they did have to like restart her heart. Same thing mm-hmm. with the paddles. Yeah. But it's doing a similar thing with mm-hmm. this jerry-rigged. Kids, don't try this at home. Oh, my God. You know, I think that everyone would fuck this up. I think even the car mechanic that he is and not a doctor, even though his friend was a nurse or whatever, mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't have enough know-how to, to be able to do this. He'd have better luck cracking her ribs open and massaging her heart by hand for crying out loud. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But instead, this is the route he goes. But guess what? Successful. And no, she's it doesn't seem so at first. But yeah. She's, she's fine. N- not just fine. She's standing up and being, like, being able to talk straight. Yeah. Talk straight. No visible wounds. The burns are gone. Her tongue, we're assuming, is is back in one piece. Uh, and she's hugging. And right this in, in, in the moment of the film, 
I'm waiting for that turn. Waiting right? for her eyes to change. Exactly. I'm waiting for something to happen because this is what happens in Evil Dead. They, the Deadites are very capable. Her of, to have a Kandarian dagger in her it, head. Exactly. Or, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like the, the Deadites, like I was saying, is very capable of appearing normal, appearing completely normal and, and not possessed or and anything And they've like done that. that with these demons in this movie. So we know that these particular demons can. Yeah, exactly. But no, that's it. She's going to get her, her, her mud stomping boots on and they're just going to get the keys and get out of there. But not before David just has to take, you know, what? I was like, oh, my God, a photo of us all happy. It doesn't look that long ago. So I guess I'll just grab this for memories. Gets the snips in the neck, though. The same snips that uh, Eric used to open the book in the first place. And also... It's Eric. Eric is back. It's Eric, yeah. It's Eric. He's back. He's real mad that he got left in the water, I guess. He's like, you fucker. And he's he's a, now a deadite. You can't even just leave a vacant body. Mm-hmm. He made it all the way dead, but he didn't stay dead, unfortunately. And now Eric has this gaping wound from his neck. And then at this point, you're getting the sense, oh, my God. Are, are they going to off David? I can't imagine... In any capacity, surviving that wound, it was right to the fucking jugular. He is pouring blood out of his neck. But they are, there's two of them. They have a Jeep. They have fucking keys. I don't know how they're envisioning they're going to get over this river, but... Maybe more duct tape. Probably more duct tape. They could probably tape around the tires so much to make them bigger and makes the truck taller, like in a cartoon, and he can just drive over the river. Now, Eric gives a final warning that he's coming. And the five souls are basically complete. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric or uh, David opts to fire at the gas can and not just shoot Eric in the face. Well, he figures he's going to be done with all of this, and he probably figures that he's possessed at this point too. Yeah, because it does seem to be viral, like a viral demonic possession. Mm-hmm. And if he's coming because the five are now complete, then that means he's definitely possessed. So he has to burn the whole house down. Yeah, locks. Even though we've already been shown that the book does not burn. Yeah. So the I bu- don't understand why they think the burning's going to help. Like, burn the cabin. Fuck the cabin. No, and so Mia stuck outside. Um, her brother gives the ultimate sacrifice. Kills himself, kills Eric. And then the cabin starts to burn down. Very picturesque, very beautiful. I love the shots of the cabin burning. And, uh, well, I guess that's it. Mia is going to... Walk home. Walk home. Well, she's going to get in her Jeep and shit like that, but it starts to rain blood very, very heavily. This is the the, the, the scene in which the most blood has been used. Yeah, it's not a tidal wave of blood a la The Shining. It's not puking blood into a face a la any evil dead or anything that, that poor Bruce Campbell has had to endure. It's not even blood from a sprinkler a la Blade. It's raining blood it's literally raining blood and they do a pretty decent believable job of that and it's terrifying and unsettling probably smells horrible Mm-hmm. this starts the final sequence of this film which i absolutely loved when i saw it in the theater i still love it uh having watching it right now it's beautiful it's interesting this is how in my opinion you can do a successful remake if this sequence wasn't in the movie, 
I think you have a lot less to work with. And people would say, why'd they remake this exact same fucking movie? This was not in the original Evil Dead. This this idea of, I mean, Evil Dead 2, there's the, there's like the tree that yeah. comes in the manifestation of evil and shit like that. But this... And there are dead eggs that come from the sky to yeah, remind yeah, yeah. us that they're here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But we get a dead egg from the ground. Yeah, and this is the closest it gets to actually looking like the poster in the original The Evil Dead movie. Yeah, which I really did like. Yeah. Hand thrust up through the greenery, through mm-hmm. the dirt, through the hummus of the mm-hmm. ground itself, and reaches out and grabs Mia. Yeah, and we get this weird larval Mia doppelganger mm-hmm. that has come out of the ground. You don't exactly know exactly what she looks like or whichever, but uh, again, stringy hair. like It's pouring blood all over everything, so everything is just doused in red and gorgeous. And Mia is going to shimmy through that little foxhole that goes up into the work shed. Work shed. shed. And she's going to get that chainsaw. After bypassing the machete, of course. Oh, my God. It makes everyone's heart sing. Yeah. That machete sequence is so great, though. It really is. Reminds me of the Raid Redemption with the machete through the wall. In the cheek, Um, yeah. Quite a a lot more tense than that. Oh, yeah. We, it's not like the, he has to be quiet because they don't know he's there kind of thing. And they're only suspecting he's there. This demon definitely knows she's there. Yeah. And she's trying to start a chainsaw. She's already spilled gas all over the place. And then she basically kicks her way through the wall to get away from this thing. Mm-hmm. And she's back outside in the bloody rain, towing this chainsaw along with her. Yeah. It's really, really cool that she gets in the truck and tries to get the fuck out of there. Or goes underneath the truck while she's trying to start this fucking thing. Eventually gets it and cuts this fucker's legs off. Yeah, and then tries to wiggle her way out. But, I mean, demons aren't stopped by having two cut legs. Oh, no. no. They simply t- lifts up this jeep and tips it on to her. She just that. rolls out of the way. And you really think she made it, but she hasn't. She's uh, off at one wrist. Her hand is stuck under the hood of the jeep. And she's not going to saw her hand off. She's going to pull her hand off. I thought it would just simply deglove and we'd end up with like a skeletal hand. Yeah, it almost looked like at that last moment it's just a degloving and shit. But no, and I love that moment of determination where she's kind of like stuck. Her hand is pinned and I can't get this out. And But that thing is coming towards her and the chainsaw is just out of reach. And so just swings her body over, pushes with her feet and just pulls with all her might. And then bam. No hand. And then you're like, oh, my God, she's transforming (laughs) before our very eyes. And there's this moment where she's standing there just so beaten but still, like, determined as this thing just lamely is crawling towards her. And she's not afraid of it at all because it's pathetic now. Like, it's it's got no legs. And she's like, listen, I've lost my hand. I'm in all this pain. I got this fucking chainsaw that's still running. And then she has that moment where she is just like kind of just like the ultimate wink to the audience where she just slides the handle part into her stump. Yeah, yeah. And just fucking like eat this. This shot of a chainsaw through the Doppelmia's face. I love it. It's and it so is cool. insanely bloody. It is backlit beautifully by the burning cabin and just the drenched in blood blood absolutely everywhere and there's blood spewing out of this demon 
demon. Demon. <laughs> there's blood spewing out of this demon like you would not fucking believe. It's like something from Fist of the North Star. Oh my god, yeah. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fucking great. And the chainsaw behaves like a chainsaw. It catches once it's in there and it starts traveling downward like it does where you almost think this is like cutting butter. It hardly needs any force. And oh then my God. you can see the look on her face like, fuck, I'm done with this. And she rears back on it, mm-hmm. which is where you get the really fun chainsaw effect when it just cuts yet again like butter upwards through something, mm-hmm. almost kicking back with that sort of force. Mm-hmm. Like it enjoys cutting things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good chainsaw. Good chainsaw. Mm, and good chainsaw. and this thing has almost been like cut completely lengthwise, mm-hmm. right down the middle. Good effects where it's blinking on the on the ground. Enjoyed that very much. Mm-hmm. I love the when it's getting sunk back below the ground. This demon is very very interesting. I love the uh, the sort of casual demonstration of how strong this thing is when it one arm pushes the car over. I love that. Uh, touching it coming into contact with this concentrated evil burns your skin yeah yeah there's a lot of really cool effects and ideas swimming around here and this relationship with the ground it came from the ground it's being returned from the ground yeah and it crawls very subtle yeah it crawls along the ground like once it has no feet it has no choice but it really slithering yeah it's a very it's a very slithery uh demon and then that's it the rain stops mia's got her pendant her weird magnifying glass pendant uh, to reinforce her spirit. Which is actually on the ground in a skull-like form at one point, much like the Evil Dead. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely right. And the then, pendant doesn't actually save her ass. No. Like, the pendant saves Ash's ass. But it it is cool that it's in the exact same formation on the ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, also, like, the Necronomicon doesn't burn in this. And the, the book itself is just left in... On the dirt. The interesting thing is that at no point does Mia really come into contact with the Necronomicon herself. It's other people fucking with it Mm -hmm. that gets her possessed. Well, Eric specifically. Um, Very, very cool. And she just limps off into the sunset. The the dawn has come and she is not dead by it. Wow. Fascinating. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you figured in 2013 there would be an inevitable An inevitable sequel. Inevitable. Inevitable. Inevitable kid. I do. Uh, I was very shocked based off of the money that this film made. However, uh, we couldn't really predict uh, that Ash vs. Evil Dead would become a thing and run for three seasons. Uh, And I really feel like if that show hadn't manifested... A lot of people de- would be fucking harassing Fede Alvarez into making another one. Yeah, I, they are like they are now. He 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 suggested like what should be my next movie, and that's what everyone was saying. Like, and then so there there is rumblings now uh, now again as as it happens uh, that they want to do another one. They want to bring Mia back. Like, what happened to her? Like, let's do another Evil Dead. Um, yeah, so inevitable might have been lofty, but I just assumed it's like things get sequels when they do well these days. So I just was like, yeah, of course this will this will get a sequel. Um, he could remake Exorcist two, but call it Evil Dead, ooh. and then we get that Regan Mia parallel. And they could fight. <laughs> then they could fight. No. They could. All right, all right. They don't have to fight. Uh, the, I, I highly, highly enjoyable. Very much recommend this film. Uh, the the general consensus amongst dead fans was that they liked it, but they just wish Ash was in it. And I, to that, going into it, and even though we get, there's a, we do see Bruce Campbell at the end of the credits here. 
just saying groovy and it's nice to hear it. And I, and I love Bruce Campbell. Um, I didn't really see the point in that. I think it was just whatever. Like there's not a point. It's just, Hey, there he is. It's just like, yeah, just a, just a, just a recognition. It's all I think it's kind of insulting in a way. It's like, are, are evil dead fans really that simple that they're, you think they would be pleased by that? Did you do that to antagonize people? Like, I didn't really understand it. Is he coming back in a sequel? Is that what's I, happening? I think that's what they might have thought or whatever, but I think it was just a like a whatever. And um, yeah, I don't know about insulting, but I definitely feel like it could be misleading if that was never their intention. Or this is a movie that Ash went to see in the theater upon his return to Smart and thought it was groovy. There you go. Maybe that's what it is. Okay. Um, you know, I think that um, they should they should definitely do another one of these. I would want them to do another one of these. And I think that- I wouldn't mind them doing another one of, you know, the cabin next door where, you know, maybe the family dog finds this book and brings it home and it happens all over again. It's like you're like kind of describing like mixing up. Uh, Evil Dead and, and the thing. It's just yeah. like, this starts with a dog again. <laughs> I don't mind it starting with a dog, even if you gotta kill the dog. Yeah, especially if you came like an inside out weird split in half dog. Like those cats in the basement. Exactly. <laughs> or the thing. Yeah. Yes, just like, yeah. Just like both of those things. Just like both of those fucking things. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Good pick, Lids. Or me. I don't remember what It happened. was me getting excited because we decided to do Evil Dead the evil then we got very excited and i was like hey how about we just do this because i've kind of wanted to do this film as well Mm -hmm. because it is a fun watch it's a super fun watch it gets us back into the splatter Mm -hmm. out of the cosmic horror out of the 80s into the 2000s at least and the 2010s and like very current compared to what we normally cover and into the splatter yeah, 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 we gotta, we gotta friggin' sometimes earn our namesake around here at spotterpictures.net. Just gotta make sure that we remind everybody that it started wet and wild. Wet and wild. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not all sleepy, horror adjacent. Yeah. 70s throwbacks. Yeah, not always. But what do we got next for him? Is it a sleepy throwback 70s adjacent? You want it to be. <laughs> I guess you could call it sleepy. Really? You could call it a 70s throwback, but you like it's 80s, you know. It's not horror adjacent because it comes from maybe one of the masters of horror. Maybe? Masters, you say? Master of horror, sort of. I mean, we're talking about a couple masters of horror here. Uh, we're going to do Carrie. We have a little Stephen King Apalooza. We're back. We're doing on. it again. Yeah. I don't, he, sometimes I'm thinking, like, oh, man, I love traditions. I love Halloween to do commentary tracks. And I guess when it's fucking hot and sweaty and kids, I am hot and sweaty right it now. It is really hot. We're in the middle of a heat wave. We have yeah. a heat advisory in Ontario right now. Yeah. Uh, people are probably dying. People are probably dying. Yeah. But we're in here sweating our balls off. His balls. My balls off. They're just gone. I'm not even sweaty, but I'm like, I don't regulate temperature very well. That's true. Yeah. Um, we had wanted to do a Stephen King Palooza. We're going to do Carrie, and we're not going to do the Carrie remake. Because as soon as we talked about doing Evil Dead, Evil Dead remake, Carrie, absolutely not the Carrie remake, because I just can't watch the fucking thing. Mm. I just, I literally, it's like oil and water. I just cannot. Um, for whatever reason. I don't know. I tried. Um, but yeah, we're going to do Christine right after. Yeah. Yeah. Getting our old jalopies. Just drive. Just drive down the road. (laughs) 
hopefully the breeze will help this fucking heat. But no, yeah, next is um, Carrie, and I'm pretty excited about it. It's going to be a return to form of Stephen King Palooza. And yeah, we'll do a little block of Stephen King movies. And then, you know what? The best thing about Stephen King movies is they're like Stephen King books. Innumerous. Yeah, there's thousands of the fucking things. <laughs> and we can't, we can't just do one. Yeah. We can't just do one. So we have to like cram two or three together. And we have another Stephen King Palooza planned that has even more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we have a couple coming. Yeah. Because, of course, as soon as you do one Stephen King movie, everyone comes at you with a list of, like, five they want to do. And they definitely did the last time. The last time people were, hey, what about this one? What about that one? Well, motherfuckers, we're getting to them. We'll get to them all. Yeah. Carrie and Christine are very important to me, though. Christine was probably one of the first uh, movies I saw that made me scared to walk home. Wow. We're going to put a pin in that story. Yeah. I'm Wes Knight. I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air.